Hey, Ralph. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Okay, and how about you? Well, I'm feeling pretty good now. For a little bit of time there, I was under the weather. Uh, as the man said, my uh, hair was fine, but my scalp had to come out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've been kicking it myself. Uh, you know that Sheila and I have been moving, so that's stressful and, and causes a lot of uh, a lot of angst. But I think what I'm getting is a lot of... Uh, a lot of allergies, which when I was a younger person, I did not experience at all. Yeah, but, and one of the things with, uh, with moving and stress is that tends to exacerbate any physical symptoms you might have with something like allergies and magnify them. Well, they certainly have done that, I think. And, uh, but I'm on, on the mend, you know, also. And so am I, that uh, little growth that I had removed from the top of my head uh, turned out to be um, malignant, but they got it all, so. Is that the growth at the top of your shoulders? Yes, yes, that okay. was it. Uh-huh, so yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> Just yeah. call me the headless horseman. Okay, now, one of the things that um, I've been doing over the last while. Uh, my, my attention span is about 20 minutes or so, and so I've been preparing for my psychology license renewal. Now, okay, now, Jim, there's an interesting thing about that. I know that to be a licensed psychologist, you pretty much have to have a PhD. Right. But are there any additional requirements? You talked about preparing for your licensure renewal. Uh, is that uh, anything other than submitting some money? Submitting some money? <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, people in the healthcare professions usually have to um, engage in continuing education, and it, it depends. In psychology, our license is for two years, okay. and then we have to renew it, and we re we're required to have 30 credits of continuing education every two years. Okay, now can you select from anything you want? Pretty much. There's a couple of things that are mandated in Michigan, um, and other states have mandates as well. For example, in California, there are several different uh, just California specific courses that you have to take. Here in Michigan, for as a psychologist, you're required to take, let's see, uh, five hours of, of ethics every two years. Okay. And a couple of years ago, LARA, that's the Licensing and Regulatory Affairs uh, Agency, mandated uh, an additional class, and that was in uh, human trafficking. Okay. Okay, so. So I can see both of those. I mean, ethics, you want to make sure that you're not uh, doing things like crossing boundaries between patient and therapist and so on, but, mm -hmm. uh, and human trafficking, I think everybody should know more about that. Um, but uh, well, what else? No. Um, just two years ago, 
um, a year ago, last June, June of 2022, uh, an additional two-hour uh, course was mandated for essentially all health care professionals in Michigan. Now, you might say, well, that's a, a few people, I suppose. Actually, it's 675,000 people who are involved in some aspect of health care here in Michigan who have licenses. Okay, so that's almost three-quarters of a million people. Yeah, and the course, or the, the uh, yeah, I'll call it course, that was uh, mandated was above and beyond the ethics course and the uh, trafficking course. So you have to take this two-hour block, uh, you have to take it live, although it could be on the Internet, um, and... Uh, it's a, on a topic that is baffling for some people. It was kind of baffling for me, in, at least initially, until I drilled down on it. And the topic was implicit bias. Implicit bias in the healthcare professions. Okay. Uh, now, now, I can see where some people might say, I'm totally unbiased. I hate everybody equally, or they might say, I'm unbiased, I was raised in a non-prejudicial manner by a family that was not prejudiced, so I don't have any biases. Right. Uh, and, and so that's, the, the interesting word here is implicit, and another term that's used interchangeably is unconscious. So the idea is that everybody is prejudice or uh, a bias, but not everybody knows that they're uh, uh, acting in a biased manner. Okay, so I might have a... Uh, well, uh, let me give the listeners a, an example. If you know any uh, truly dedicated car fanatics, uh, you may have heard two of them debating almost endlessly the virtues of Ford versus Chev. Okay. And that, that's an argument that has no resolution because people are entrenched in their position. Right, right. And, well, even growing up in the Sioux, Ralph, um, your family was a Chrysler family, right? Right. And my family was a... GM family. Right. And, 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 and never the two shall meet. Never the two shall meet. Yeah. Now, the thing is that, uh, you know, you might not think of that as um, being anything of social significance other than uh, you're obviously right in whatever you believe. Mm -hmm. But um, if you believe that X people are inherently... Uh, stupid. bad or stupid or, or evil, yeah, evil. Okay. Mm -hmm. you know, that that obviously has social ramifications. Right. Okay, so we know about this bias thing through the broader term prejudice, right? Right. So if I think that a group of people are inherently uh, worse than me, yes, know, then, you know, I'm I'm prejudiced, right? Right. Now, but if I 
don't think that people are inherently worse than me, but in some way I behave as to, oh, I suppose, make that a assumption, make that case, then that's the implicit aspect to this. Yeah, now there's an interesting thing that, that comes out of the healthcare system. One of the things that we, we know is if you take uh, three people, a Caucasian, an African American, and a Hispanic, and they all have um, X uh, problem. Okay. They come into the hospital and they're looked at and they're prescribed pain medication to help them with whatever X problem is. Okay, now we've got three people, they all have what, the same diagnosis, the same? Yeah, okay. they've all stepped on a nail and okay. uh, they're yeah. hurting. All right. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. You know, everybody gets three Tylenol and call me in the morning, right? Uh, no. Huh? No. The Caucasian usually gets more pain medication than either the African-American or the Hispanic. Well, that's pretty interesting. I wonder how that research started. You know, because I know that the implicit bias research goes back to the Oh, late 1960s or so. And right. It comes out of some of your background, and that is in social psychology, uh, where some researchers at Harvard did an interesting study. They uh, took resumes of different people and sent them around and asked uh, CEOs if they would hire this person. Right. I'm, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and let's say one of the resumes was uh, Jim Carroll. You know, another resume was um, uh, Felix Garcia, mm -hmm. and another resume was um, um, uh, Muhammad yeah. Ali. Yeah. Okay. Um, and everything else is the same. It's kind of like your example of the three guys who step on a nail, okay? Right. And because I was trying to figure out how you get people to step on nails, you know. <laughs> Not so, easily. Yeah. So they sent these around to CEOs, and the idea being that the CEOs were trying to uh, select the best people for the job. The idea right. being if you select somebody who's really, really good, they're going to uh, make money for the company, right? Right. Okay. Now, who gets the, uh, you mentioned that the black person and the brown person got less uh, pain, medication. pain medication. Okay, so who gets the nod with this one? Is, well, does Jim get the nod? Does Jim, Felix get the nod? Or does Muhammad get the nod? Or are they all, remember, they're all on paper the same, right? Right, and it turns out that Jim gets the nod. Hmm, okay. Um, and, you know, this was, uh, now you mentioned that you're mandated to take implicit bias. Um, the... Um, the interesting thing about this one is this was before uh, Black Lives Matter and before 
implicit bias training became mandatory. Um, and it was a behavioral study, mm -hmm. not necessarily a uh, let's identify how you feel about things. Okay. Yeah, as a matter of fact, this whole area of research spawned a whole bunch of other research back in the 70s. Do you remember the 70s, Ralph? I do, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't remember it, you were there. <laughs> um, and uh, so in, in the initial study, we've got Jim and Felix and, and Muhammad. But then what about another study where we've got Jim and Jill? Okay, same resume, same jobs. We've got Jim, Carol, Jill, Carol. Is there a difference here? There turns out to be a difference there also. Mm -hmm. uh, and the difference is that uh, Jill doesn't get the job offer. Or, or as many job offers. Or Jill gets the job offer, but at a significantly lower rate of pay than Jim. Aha, uh -huh, okay. So... Again, our um, CEOs would say, no, we just are looking for the best person. You know, we're not biased in any way. But the evidence seems to suggest that something's going on here, right? Right. Okay. So one of the things that then that points out, and, and part of the, uh, the definition of unconscious bias is that... Uh, people's implicit bias can run counter to their conscious beliefs where, without their realizing it. Yeah, like my conscious belief is I'm, I'm a really fine person and I treat everybody well, and uh, or in your case, treat everyone badly. <laughs> um, the, but in fact, that might be my image, but without... Knowing it, I am making some assumptions about people who may be different from an ethnic point of view or maybe different from a, uh, a gender point of view uh, yeah. or even different from a, a religious point of view, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. And one of the, one of the interesting things, Jim, you mentioned uh, uh, the 60s. Uh, no, I mentioned the 70s, right? 70s. Well, we went back to the original Harvard study in okay. the 60s. I stand to be correct. And there was a, another really interesting study that was done actually around the turn of the century, maybe in the last uh, decade of the 1800s, um, that... Uh, brought to light the fact that there was a real belief at that time that um, people of color did not feel pain. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was in the medical books. You know, that yeah. was, it was, you'd take it to the bank. Yeah, I think it was called drapidomania. I believe that's what it was called. And so, you know, if, if, you, um, if you read in a medical book, that uh, people of color did not feel pain, that uh, logically would then say that, uh, gee, um, perhaps 
this person of color does not need as much pain medication as the delicate, fragile Caucasian. Yeah. So did that descend historically, uh, not as medical research, but as just kind of a feeling that got diffused into society? Good question. I, I don't know. I don't know either, but, yeah. you know, the thing is that there, generally speaking, there is a, um, a rationale somewhere for stereotypes to form. Okay, that's a good point. Because, you know, when I first heard about uh, implicit bias, I, I asked myself, well, what exactly is the rationale? What's, what history do we have here? And so I went and took a look at the law, and uh, the law is uh, from the general rules of the health code, uh, 338.7004. Okay, those are the standards for um, uh, implicit bias training. And the, the, the rules here in Michigan, and I don't know if any... If, if all other states have this or not, but Michigan certainly does. They have five different areas in which you can can take coursework, take this two-hour course. Um, and I'll just read them. Information on implicit bias is one of them, and uh, equitable access to health care. And I've gone online and there are a lot of people who are out there now talking about inequitable access to health care okay or strategies to remediate um, negative impact of bias or historical bias and the present consequences of or a discussion of relevant research on implicit bias uh, and training to reduce disparities in access to healthcare services. Now, as a psychologist, you know, I was thinking, well, I don't think that uh, within my uh, profession there are implicit biases. I think we, we have a standard of, of care. But I began to look at research and there are differences. Okay. And uh, so I think that one of the things that you and I have decided to do is to put together a um, live course taking a look at implicit bias and some of the, the uh, historical uh, uh, points of view that lead to present disparities uh, in 2023, right? Right. Yeah, and we had hoped to um, be able to offer this as a live um, online class by the middle of May. But it's now the middle of May. We are not ready. We are not ready. Okay, no question. My, uh, my sniffles and... and uh, moving. Uh, moving, you know, I think I could have handled it. I think it's the uh, it's the pollen in the, in the air that got me. And you, it's the growth on your shoulders. Yes. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're good. easy for me to say. What we're going to do is we're going to keep our listeners informed 
as to um, when we're going to offer the course. And for, for the very first time, I think, Ralph, we will um, let people take the course for free. We've not talked about this. We're going to offer it through my um, uh, psychological practice, Ronan Psychological Associates, and we will charge for it. But maybe our first course should be like, you know, the, the first pancake. Yeah. You know, you throw it away. Throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a good a good course, but we... Uh, well, Jim and I have done several courses together, and we've never put a bad one out, so uh, it will be good for values of good. Okay. So we'll keep you informed as to what um, we're going to be doing. You know, we do have... Um, what did I say the other day? 200 and... No. 27,000 people on our Facebook site. So... Obviously, there'll be one or two people who are going to need a course like this. Yeah. Especially and if you consider that about a million people in Michigan need it. And one of the interesting things, uh, Jim and I were having a coffee the other day, and there were a couple of ladies sitting next to us who were obviously prepping for something. And uh, it turned out they, uh, at least one of them was a massage therapist. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a stereotypical image, you wouldn't think of a massage therapist necessarily as having to take continuing education, but they are in the healthcare system, so they do need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we could say maybe just as a, a general um, injunction to our listeners is... Um, the paradigm theoretically should be um, increased knowledge, which changes attitudes, which shifts behavior. Right. So uh, even if you think to yourself, am I prejudiced? I don't think so. Do I have any anti-beliefs in my life where I say I'm, I'm against X sort of thing? Um, maybe not. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe do a little more thinking on that and, and uh, do a little introspection to say, yeah. do, I, uh, do I in fact have some biases? Well, uh, to flip it around a little bit more, uh, what about the clients that we work with? Do they have biases that we should be aware of? Or that yeah, uh, and one of the classic examples of that, Jim, which I'm sure you've met before, is uh, people who have bias against therapy itself, who kind of come in under duress, feeling, I really don't want to be here, I don't need my head shrunk, I'm okay, the rest of the world sucks. <laughs> yeah, so... It could be that we want to look at the plank in our own eye, or we want to look at the plank in other people's eyes. Right. But at least be aware of it. I think that's that's what has happened with me so far. That became aware that there might be something potentially important out here for me as a therapist. And uh, hey, the two hours of uh, live coursework. Uh, may very well be worth it. Yeah, 
I, um, having done a fair amount of reading and researching for this uh, course we're developing, I can say that there are things that I read that kind of shook me up and made me rethink my comfortable niche. Yep, gotcha. Okay, so we've gone on for about 25 minutes. It's, now, that's longer than usual, but remember, we haven't gotten to visit with you people for probably you know, a couple weeks now. So, until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying, keep, keep your stick it, on the ice. Because we're all in, in this, this together. together.